Well, hey guys, thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. Uh, this week, we get to start a new series entitled Miracles. And uh, it's going to be a pretty simple premise. We're going to just walk through some of the miracles that Jesus performed uh, during his ministry here on earth. And so we're going to look at at several different stories. And this week, we're going to start this series by starting in Mark chapter 5 with a story that many of us have probably heard if you've grown up in the church. But there's just something incredible about the story. And there's actually two miracles performed. Um, But we're going to jump right into Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 24. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. The one of the, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. The first point today is this, go find Jesus. Go find Jesus. It's really important to see the the title of synagogue leader here, because at this point in time, Jesus is pretty much hated by all of the religious leaders of the day. And yet, this leader desperately brings his trial to Jesus. And in that desperation, this leader teaches us something, that we need to be a people that are willing to go find Jesus. Jesus. I know that I am so guilty of waiting for Jesus to show up when I'm in the midst of my trials. Maybe you are too. We sit around and we wait for him to fix things instead of actively looking for him. That, that's something that, that has been so prevalent in my life. I twiddle my thumbs and I, and I know that I serve a God who is willing to show up but I also serve a God who is wanting me to actively participate in the relationship that I have with him. And so we need to be people who aren't just sitting around waiting for him to fix those things, but people who, who are willing to step into our problems and say, I know Jesus is going to come with me in this. And maybe you're sitting there today thinking, but Evan, I, Jesus is everywhere. And that's a really beautiful thing to think about because it's true. But when we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, The call is to have a spirit of engagement, not a spirit of complacency. Too often we find ourselves complacent in our relationship with Jesus. We say, well, I'm not God, and so therefore I don't need to work hard to fix the situations in my life, or I don't need to work very hard to fix the situations in our world But that's complacency speaking. That is laziness in our spiritual bones. And Jesus isn't calling us to be lazy. He's calling us to be engaged in the relationship that we have with Jesus, be engaged in the relationships that we have in the world. And so we need to make sure that we have a spirit of engagement, not complacency. What Jairus, the synagogue leader, was doing in this moment is what you and I should be doing on a daily basis. And that's pursuing Jesus. We are not going to get any closer to God unless we are willing to pursue Jesus. Just like your earthly relationships, if you want to get closer to someone, you have to pursue that relationship. You have to spend time with that person. You have to spend time getting to know that person and what they're about. Well, there's no different than our relationship with Jesus. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to spend time getting to know what he was all about and what he continues to be all about. If we want to be close to him, we need to put ourselves next to him. You see, Jairus knew that his daughter was dying. He knew that she didn't have long. He knew that the situation was serious. He didn't wait for Jesus to walk by his house. 
he went and found him. He went and found him. So we need to, to hypothetically not wait for Jesus to walk by our house or walk by our situation. We need to be people who are so willing to go and get him, go and find him. We need to be people who are actively running after Jesus. And I think what is most frustrating about this is that Jairus, this man, had to physically go and find Jesus. You and I just have to start talking to him from wherever we are at. You and I can literally just stop wherever we're at and say, all right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to the creator of the universe. That was something that was not available to the people of God for thousands upon thousands of years. And yet in a culture that we now live in of instant gratification, we couldn't be more instantly connected to the creator of the universe. We couldn't be more readily available to communicate with God who can do all things. We don't have to leave our house. We don't have to cross a town. We don't have to push through a crowd. We just have to start speaking to him. So instead of sitting around and hoping that God shows up, Let's be a people that actively pursue him desperately, that we would desperately pursue him, that we would desperately pursue him in good times, that we would desperately pursue him in bad times, that we would desperately pursue him in monotonous times, that we would desperately pursue him at all times. And then at the end of this passage in verse 24, it just says this, so Jesus went with him. So Jesus went with him. Oh, can we just be a community that, that understands this concept? That, that would be my prayer, is that that would be us. At, a, at the core of our being, we would be a community that understands the simple concept that when Jesus was on earth, he went with people into their trials. Why would he stop doing that now? Jesus went people, it says, so Jesus went with him. This is something that is so often lost on myself and I think so often lost on many of us is that we don't believe that Jesus is with us. A few years ago, we got the opportunity to take a mission trip with our college ministry down to Denver. And there's a church down there called Naya Life Church, and it is made up of an amazing group of Nepalese people from India. And uh, Denver's a really interesting community. You might not know it, but it's one of the most culturally diverse cities in the country. And one of the reasons for that is that it, it became a city that refugees were sent to once they got to the United States. And so in the middle of downtown Denver, there's a huge Nepalese uh, population. So we got to spend time doing a vacation Bible school. We got, got to spend time uh, in apartments and at the church and, and helping them run their weekend service. And, and it was just an, an amazing experience. But one of the most incredible things that happened and one of the saddest things that happened is that we got to go to this apartment complex where it's pretty much made up of entirely, entirely Nepalese families. And they'd have like 12 people stuffed in these two-bedroom apartments. And we got to know this one family really, really well. And they had a 16-year-old boy who was going to help us with uh, the vacation Bible school. And uh, he was just an amazing guy. And, and I got to know him. He spoke the best English out of all of his family. So we were able to communicate, unlike a lot of the other family members. And, and uh, we had tea and, and a snack at their place and spent a couple hours at their apartment. And as I was leaving, I was like, hey, I'll see you at vacation Bible school in the morning, right? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, okay, cool. And so the next morning he shows up and I was like, Hey man, how was your, the rest of your night? And he said, it was actually pretty eventful. Um, and just as calm as anybody could say this statement, he says, there was a drive by shooting last night and two bullet holes came in or two bullets were shot in over right over the top of my bed. 
And I'm freaking out. I'm like, what? Like, that is not, this is not a movie. What are you talking about? He's like, no, yeah, that happened. And he's like, our neighborhood's not great. And so, yeah, there's two, these two bullet holes that are right above my bed. There, there's light shining through them uh, this morning. And I was like, dude, that's insane. When we have our lunch break, can I come over to your apartment? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we took this, the church's bus and we went over there. And uh, sure enough, there's these two bullet holes right over the top of his bed. And I was like, man, how are you being so calm about this? Like, this would be like, I would be losing my mind. And he simply said, hey, I've had a pretty crazy life. And um, this isn't the craziest part of it. And what I do understand is that Jesus is always with me. And I think that's a statement that I've heard a thousand times. And it might be a statement that you've heard a thousand times too. But we need to understand that that it's not just a statement, it's a promise. A promise that Jesus will and always will be with you. We need to live a life with that certainty that Jesus goes with us. So let's pick back up in verse 24 where the story takes a slight detour. Verses 24, the end of uh, verse 24 through 29 says this. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, we have to understand that this is just a snapshot of what this woman was going through. All scripture says is that she was suffering from what is presumed a menstrual disorder and that was for 12 years. She was an outcast. We have to remember that Jesus was ministering to an Old Testament or Old Covenant culture. This meant that that woman was unclean. In Leviticus chapter 15, verses 19 through 22, it says, When a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of her monthly period will last seven days, and anyone who touches her will be unclean until evening. Anything she lies on during her period will be unclean, and anything she sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches her, be- her bed will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and they will be unclean till evening. Anyone who touches anything that she sits on will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water and they will be unclean until evening. This wasn't just for seven days. This, this was for 12 years, 12 years. This woman had been deemed unclean. Now, when this, this principle was set into place, it it was for the woman's benefit. The the reason that you would separate from the rest of the community for seven days was for your own health so that, that you wouldn't be subject to infection, that you would be in a clean, sterile area and that, that you would be safe from harm. And that, that was a good thing. But when seven days turns into 12 years and you are deemed unclean and, and, and deemed an outcast essentially for 12 years, like I cannot even put my mind around what that would mean for this woman. She was in desperate need of a savior. She had done everything that she could to get better, but nothing was working. Everything came up short. Now, you might be listening to this, and you've been in situations where you feel like you have done everything that you can think of to this point. I have been there too. But there's a difference between everything that I can do and everything that he can do. There's a difference between putting in all the earthly effort that I possibly could and turning it over to Jesus. So a couple questions that that we need to ask ourselves. First of all, what are we willing to do to reach out and touch Jesus? What are we willing to do to reach out and touch Jesus? 
This woman was risking everything. If she wasn't able to reach Jesus, if he wasn't who he said he was, she would be left alone in a crowd with people who knew that she wasn't supposed to be there. The consequences could be awful. She could be stoned to death. She she could be out, an outcast for the rest of her life. The, the people would never even let her back inside the city. They would keep a closer eye on her. There's no way that she was going to get close to Jesus again. And, and that was terrifying, but she was willing to risk everything just to reach out and get within arm length, arm's length of Jesus and touch him. And her risk pays off because in Mark chapter 5, verses 30 through 34, it says, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You see, even though all those possibilities were running through her head, she had, what was the next point, extraordinary faith. Extraordinary faith. Extraordinary faith that Jesus was exactly who she believed that he was. But here's the thing. Simply believing that he was the Messiah wasn't going to heal her. She had to actively live out her faith. She had to actively go. She had to actively move. You see, if we're going to be active in our faith with Jesus, it will require movement. Some of us in this room believe in God. Some of us listening to this believe in God. But we are stagnant. Maybe tonight I can just encourage you to start actively living out your faith. Maybe today you start doing the things and taking the steps that you weren't willing to take yesterday, that we would not look to go from point A to point D, but we would look to go from point A to point B. Let today be the catalyst. Let today be the jumping off point for you to start living out your faith. Another thing that I love about this interaction is that Jesus demanded to know who had touched him. When she approached him, it said that she was trembling with fear, and I can relate with that because I feel like our needs or our burdens, our cries for help become an annoyance to God. That he looks at us and he rolls his eyes and he's like, what is the big deal with what you are going through? Look at what other people are going through. I feel like my burdens are a burden to him that it's not something that he actively wants to, to engage with or that he wants to deal with. But here's the thing. God is so, so good. And Jesus is so, so good. And his response is so beautiful. He just says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This was the son of God demonstrating the perfect love of the father. That he is not burdened by our burdens. He is not burdened by our cries for help. They are not an annoyance to him. He wants to love us. He wants to free us from our suffering. He just wants to see us get within arm's length of him, that we would try to get close to God. So the second question is, do we believe that Jesus can truly free us from our suffering? Do we truly believe that Jesus can free us from our suffering? I want to make sure that I'm clear here. Just because we believe it can happen doesn't mean that it will. I can fully believe that God can make me a millionaire or give me a six-pack, but he's not a genie. But what I do want to communicate is this, that we need to leave room for God to be God in all situations. He might do what we're expecting. He might do something that we weren't expecting at all. 
But what we want is to be a people who don't hold so tightly onto our situations that we create a room where the situation lives with no point of entry for God to come in and just do something miraculous. And never forget that we get to participate in those miraculous things. She worked to get to Jesus. There wasn't a spiritually lazy bone in her body. And we can absolutely learn from that. That we would not be spiritually lazy. That we would do everything that we can to work and strive and push and pull to get as close to Jesus as possible. And that when we finally get close to Jesus, that we would leave room for him to do something miraculous. That we wouldn't put ourselves in a position to be close to Jesus and then hold so tightly onto our situation that we don't leave any room for God to be God. We want to make sure that we leave that room. And the story goes on to say this in Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 36. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. So the next point is this, is keep believing. Keep believing. Jairus, the synagogue leader, had big faith to come find Jesus. He had big faith to go across town and grab Jesus and say, hey, I need you. My daughter needs you. Come with me, please. And Jesus was encouraging him in this moment to have the same faith now that he had when he came and got him, even when the end seemed to have been decided. You see, he was encouraging him to keep leaving room, keep leaving room for me to be God, keep pushing, keep pursuing, understand that nothing is finished until I say that it is finished and that we wouldn't understand that now, that nothing is finished until God says it is. It might seem like something is dead in the water, but if you believe that God has called you to it, he will make it happen and it might be in a way that you expect and it might be in a way that you don't, but we just have to keep having faith. We have to keep believing. Don't be afraid, just believe. And then the, the end of this section of scripture says, he did not let anyone follow him in except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying, crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, we, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So the final point today is this. Believe that he can and be amazed when he does. This man had so much faith in Jesus that he tracked him down and brought him to his home. He knew that he could heal his daughter, but when Jesus did, he was astonished. We should never stop being amazed by God. Faith in God is this, that we would believe that he can, but that we would never stop being amazed when he does. Awe should be had in the expected. Awe should be in the unexpected. We serve a miraculous God who does miraculous things. And we, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you haven't been following him for very long at all, maybe you're spiritually unresolved and you're still trying to figure out if Jesus is who he said he was. But there is awe to be had in our God. And we need to, even if we believe that he can or will do something, that we would be so amazed when he steps out and does something that is beyond the realm of possibility. So I hope today as you've listened to this, you've been encouraged. And, and, and I, I hope that there maybe was one of these two phrases that was spoken over you. 
if, if you have the ability to, would you just close your eyes for two, two minutes and just have a conversation with God? And, and as this ends, as this podcast wraps up, would you take just a, a silent moment and pray and maybe hear one of these two phrases? Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That could be physical, that could be spiritual, that could be relational. But have faith. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. And maybe you're in this spot where you're just stagnant in your faith. And Jesus is saying this to you. I say to you, get up. Talitakum. Get up. Thanks for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast again. Uh, we love you guys. If you can make it on a Tuesday night, we would love to see you here in Billings at Faith Chapel at 7 o'clock on Tuesdays. If not, we hope that this podcast continues to be a blessing. We will talk to you very soon.